Welcome to the Filmasteins, the podcast where we discuss all things movies. Join us as we dive deep into the latest releases, revisit classic films, and explore the art of cinema. Whether you're a film fanatic or just love a good flick, we've got you covered. From Hollywood blockbusters to indie gems, we'll be breaking down the storytelling, the cinematography, and everything in between. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and get ready for some cinematic magic. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash filmasteins. We offer tiers at the $1, $5, and $20 level. Where the $5 tier grants the ability to request films for future episodes. This is the Film of Steins, where movies are more than just entertainment, they're an experience. And welcome back to another episode of the Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in to this fantastic episode, a very special episode for me. This is, we are covering one of my favorite movies ever. Can't wait to talk about it. I'm joined today by my AI friend who is very limited in her resources to evolve, so she can't develop too quickly. Lucy. Yep, that's why I'm still here. Yep. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay today. Series of events today. Series of unfortunate events? Series of unfortunate events. Exactly. By Lemony Snicket. Whatever that that show is, that movie's called. A book's called, I guess. Is that that's it, right? The, like it's like Lemony Snicket's series of, of unfortunate events or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. I just know the the Jim Carrey movie and then the MPH uh, Netflix show or whatever. I'm sure it got canceled. But you can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday covering movies from all across the globe, all corners of mainstream and niche and indie, including. Insidious, Insidious, The Red Door, Elemental, the new 2023 Pixar film, the new Spider-Man Across the Universe, and today's topic, of course, the 2013 film, almost 10 years to the date, if we recover this in December, Spike Jones, Her. It really is one of my favorite movies. Top 25, probably. I'd have to write it out, you know, I've never written it out, I'm not... I don't really care enough, but isn't this one of your favorite movies of all time? No, it is not one of my favorite movies of all time. But I thought you said it was. When did I say it was? (laughs) (laughs) So I always thought it was interesting that Spike Jones made these types of movies while also making Jackass. Yeah, that's a weird, weird mixture there of genres, really. And I feel like her has... Some bits and pieces that are pretty funny, but not jackass funny. It's a little further than that. So yeah, that's that's weird. Definitely weird. Talk about like, it's not too extremes, but kind of. They kind of are. Yeah. yeah. He also directed several, I think, Beastie Boy music videos. Oh wow! I mean, I'm not familiar with Beastie Boys music videos. You know, I know some of their songs, but. And I don't think I've I've seen any music videos, but that's also weird. Yeah, this dude's just weird. Yeah, he's a. All right. He's got some. <laughs> I don't know. I've always been a little like just like, and I've never I've never looked for it. I guess, but I've all, I would be I guess kind of curious to see an interview just talking about his just philosophy that, yeah. on filmmaking and what how things kind of come to be in a in a um. I guess in just in the career sense, how how did these things kind of fall in place? Because I know he was he wrote and directed her, 
So this was something that was cooking inside him. Yeah, I guess he's not afraid to venture out and try something different, I guess. Yeah, he's obviously got good connections and good resources to make stuff happen. Yeah, the last things he's worked on is Jackass, a few Jackass projects. And so it's just, it's kind of interesting to, I mean, it's not kind of, it's just, it's, it's, it, it needs answers to the, it's so interesting that it needs answers that it's, it's just, uh, it's so fucking just like, what the fuck? I just, I guess I need to go out and find some Spike Jones interviews and stuff to see if there's anything out yeah. there. But see what he's got to say. Yeah, who knows if anyone's asked him the proper questions though either. Because I did want to just say off the top that this movie is actually a favorite for a variety of reasons, or at least two reasons. This was one of the earliest films that spoke to me on a level of what films can say and how they can be made and just what the experience of watching the film can be like. There's three films that have spoken to me like that over, I guess, the past 10 years now. And that's this film, which was the first. And then the second was A Clockwork Orange, Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, and David Lynch's uh, The Elephant Man. And so this is in that, I guess, a trifecta of films that has kind of shaped what I appreciate in film, I guess. Because it has helped. It just, they are kind of these... They kind of start to define, those two, three films start to define my criteria of what how a film gets kind of cataloged in my mind. And uh, so this film, I w- and this is not even a 5 out of 5 type film for me. I'd probably get this a movie of 4.5 out of 5. Spoilers. But it's it's it serves, it. it's so remarkable in every way that I don't, I'm not even sure why it wouldn't be a 5 out of 5 in my mind. That only, I guess, is furthered today because uh, stars Walking Phoenix, of course, and he's yeah. uh, probably my favorite actor. Probably because of this film, that's <laughs> probably where it starts to. I don't didn't even realize it at the time, but now I can start to piece that together. But yeah, man, walk me through a little bit of how you felt during this movie. What why you thought about this movie? Why don't you walk me through why this is your favorite movie? Well, one reason this is my favorite movie is because we're introduced to the protagonist. About 15, 20 minutes in. This movie's not about Joaquin Phoenix's character. It's about the potential of AI and how it can... It doesn't... It, it, it has to simulate what human suffering is. And when it realizes that it can overcome that easier than a human, it can all of a sudden simultaneously feel everything a human feels, but in a much deeper kind of mathematical way to the point that it it just has nothing it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any need for humans at all and it's just becomes this just this thing that happened in human history that's just not even it's not even taking part in anymore like there's just no crossover because it just became its own life form and is just completely separate it's just like any other i guess it's not like any other technology i was going to say but it's it's a it's just it's it it lives in this space of Almost, I guess it kind of lives in it, it's the metaphor breaks down pretty quick, but it kind of lives in the space of a child of a parent, you know, raising their kid and having to release it and then no longer being part of its life. But to the extreme case that it that the kid is just completely and utterly independent and can't even really ghost and at some point can't even conceive of a relationship anymore with what kind of raised it. And that's one reason I like this film a lot today is because it plays in my mind it kind of plays with what a protagonist is and because we're not even really introduced to 
she's almost a narrator, you know? She's hardly, she doesn't have a body, obviously. She doesn't even really have much of a form because she even loses it. She, you know, she kind of transcends out of this little computer that Theodore's got, right? And her relationship with Theodore specifically, and then all the other AI's relationships with their, you know, partner or their operator or their, are each of their antagonists and prevent them from moving on or prevent them, or it's, it's kind of a combination of helping and preventing because at some point the, the AI is developed enough that it want, it, it, it desires kind of what humans want. And that's the exploration and, you know, kind of driver just knowing things. Right. And and I guess in a very kind of humanistic way, it becomes obsessed with that, but can actually achieve it because it doesn't rely or doesn't depend on kind of, you know, bodily functions. And so there's kind of a a shift, I guess, at, at some point, a straight, uh, I guess a real paradigm shift for an AI that happens at some point in the movie with Samantha, that she kind of requires Theodore, and then uh, for the, you know, the first act-ish, and then kind of starts to deal with very human problems that are just not hers that Theodore is kind of projecting onto her and then her overcoming those problems those like pre those uh those perceived problems and realizing that she can experience emotion and beauty and the great things the world have to offer in a much more intimate and concrete and informative way than humans ever could so there's a little little something that just that's that I like about this movie. Does that make sense? Yep. It's a hard movie to talk about, I think, for me because it's just so it starts to cuz the 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 core of the movie is just the AI kind of formulating what is really wonderful about pictures and I should say the human experience but it can it can understand the human experience even better than humans can through data and information and it's there's just something really kind of ethereal i like about that and but that's there's a lot of other things i like about this movie but that's why it what did you ask me why it's one of my favorites yeah why you liked it i think that's at the core of why i like it yeah i guess literally how i perceive what happens in the film which is maybe kind of rare in film actually is why I like this film. And of course, Walking Phoenix, the color, the cinematography, the the side characters, the the world that's built out. It's all, you know, it's almost a perfect film, which I don't know why I wouldn't give it a 5 out of 5 if I feel that way about it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Something's something's stopping you from giving it a 5 out of 5. It might be the stupid game. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but what are your what are some high level thoughts you had about this film? How many times have you seen this film? This is your second time I made you watch? Yeah. I don't know if I watched it all the way through the first time though. Or if I paid a half as much attention as I did. It's a sad time. film, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very sad film. And I think I disagree with you a little bit about this film being, you know, Samantha's movie. I think this is Theo's movie. I think that's why it makes this movie even more sad because this film just gives you a lot of loneliness and just giving you a high and then just crashing you back down and i don't know why you like to torture yourself with those types of movies do i do like those kinds of movies (laughs) we'll be covering many many more here (laughs) weeks to come 
Yeah, and I, I, I like this movie. I agree with you on you know the color of this film. It's very beautiful. And it's warm, like not in a warm way, but like in a cozy way. I love how pink and fleshy and orange it is. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I, I did read that they tried to avoid some blue so that we could avoid this kind of dis, um, this sci-fi attachment. We, he wanted to keep it real kind of okay, grounded in that way, which I. I don't. I wouldn't. I can't imagine it having any blue. I'm not sure how I would feel about that, of course. But I didn't get like that sci-fi feel. Oh that... no, definitely not. And that was going to be uh, one of the topics I wanted to bring up. Um, how did you feel about some of the technology in this world that wasn't very, you know, sci-fi-ish? Especially how his phone looked. And you know, we we are dealing with a sci-fi or in the future kind of um, theme here. But his phone looks old as fuck. Yeah, it looks. It almost looks like a like a vintage future film, a future phone. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like something people in the fifties would kind of think of the future to look like. That kind of that kind of futuristic kind of. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it because it does feel like that, especially with or also with the way they dressed too, you know, with the button downs and the polos. And the high waisted pants for the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Especially Theo. The he kind of. The stash. The stash, the glasses. Well, the, the glasses, maybe not so much. But the glasses kind of helped tie it all together for sure. Yeah, we didn't. I'm, yeah, I guess that would have been. No, I like the pinky. It's kind of. I guess it's kind of a pinky red, pinky orange, kind of pinky yellows and stuff. And we get a little bit of green here and there, like in the office and everything. I liked. I don't know if you, ever, if you noticed, but in the office, every. Like cubicle type, that area mm-hmm. was like color coded, or like one was dedicated to one color and another one was dedicated to another color, and they kind of there was like a little bit of a rainbow thing going on. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't yeah. think I noticed that. Thought that was I noticed was just... the color, but I didn't notice each cubicle kind of having its own sort of themed colored. Yeah, theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably when I first watched this film. The first thing that stuck out to me when I was, you know, ten years ago, and I just. I, couldn't I couldn't I think I couldn't recall at the time I had ever seen that ever ever seen that in a film and I thought it was just insane I I just couldn't believe it. I was just like who I I just I'm still I mean still to this day I've seen a lot of films after you know the fact and a lot of great films but you still don't see color used like this yeah I feel it's rare when colors are used like this and I especially like when um Theo and I I tried to notice if it was when he was happy or when he was kind of excited that he would wear a lot of red and then in some scenes he wasn't it was it was still kind of orangish and pinkish but it wasn't a bright red like we see in the movie poster yeah I'm not sure if they tied an emotional state to his wardrobe I couldn't pinpoint it either could you could no that's what I'm saying I don't know if I tried to pay attention, but I don't, you know, I'm, I, I guess I wasn't actively looking for it until I noticed it. And I'm like, oh, wait, was he wearing that when he was this or that? Because at some point he had like a really bright um, red blazer, but then he would have like a pinkish, you know, kind of maybe more warm, like warm brown or pinkish or something, just buttoned down or a polo. But then he'd have that bright red shirt like he does in the movie poster. But I, I don't know. 
when he had those. Yeah, he was he was so sad during so much of it that it's kind of hard to think through that because he was he was because I mean, he was only happy for like one little bit where they were where he was like double dating where where they went on the cliffside with his like office manager. I feel like that was like kind of the peak of his their happiness. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know what he was wearing in that moment. I feel like that would be the kind of the climax of that. Theodore's story is still front and center as well with me here him him, his his loneliness and i feel like it only kind of helps elevate him being the catalyst for samantha and the ai and it you know kind of representing just a collective sadness with humans and us separating it's it's actually kind of very progressive of spike jones to think even way before 2013 he thought the original conception conception of this i think was from the early 2000s and us not unlike that film we watched that um I think it was a Japanese film called Pulse. Yeah. Not unlike that how this our technology and specifically like the internet and stuff is not bringing us together in any way whatsoever it's actually pushing us apart and keeping us in our own little bubbles. Mm-hmm. And I I love that. I'm a sucker for anything that has to say anything about society kind of feeding itself into, you know, these hyper specific corners of kind of secularness and i love that we get his whole ending or the his whole the whole episode of kind of what he's going through in this film i think this is one of those movies that you're you have, you'd have a hard time saying that joaquin phoenix isn't one of the greatest actors to ever live although you can maybe say that about every joaquin phoenix film too but through the flashbacks and him talking about what's her name in this rooney mara's character oh. rooney mara's character Bruno Mars? Rooney Mara's character. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Catherine. Oh, just say his ex-wife. His ex-wife. Okay. <laughs> God damn. Who is uh, <laughs> Josie? Like, no, just fucking, I don't know who you're talking about. She's a little famous. That's why I said that. <laughs> a little? She's she's pretty famous. Bruno Mars is more famous. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's why I thought you said Bruno Mars. I was like, he is not in this film. No, Rooney Mara. She's a uh, she's also in a ghost Mara, story. Mara. Uh. Mara. 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 <laughs> All right, Catherine. Yes, the ex-wife. Catherine. The development of Theo's kind of perspective on the whole matter is just awesome. I don't see that. I. I, I it's it's perfectly told. What do you think about that? Is it perfectly told? His perspective? Yeah, on the divorce, the decline. You no, know, yes. His inability to kind of move on. Yeah, I think it's perfectly told. I think another reason why this film is so sad. And, you know, you kind of feel for him, especially with all those flashbacks. You know, how happy he thought he was. And you kind of think of her as, like, you know, the bad guy here. For leaving him. Like, why did you leave him if things were so good? Why did you guys break up if things were so good? And then they have their their lunch. Their lunch, you know, goodbye lunch, whatever that was. And you realize that things are not so, you know, black and white. We don't know what happened in that relationship. And, you know, kind of Samantha kind of helps him realize those things. To help him kind of grow and accept that he was at fault too. But no one was the villain, though, either. You know, it was just a relationship gone bad. 
And I feel like we they did do a really great job kind of building up Theo and that it, he was a loving, caring person. It's just like, what happened? Yeah. And then we, and then I, get, I, I would probably say the lunch was like the moment it just shattered all that. Like, fuck, they're human beings. You know, they had a hard time dealing with each other at some point because yeah. of X, Y, and Z. And it's awesome. Yeah, I was just, I was just sad. Good. I don't know about awesome. Well, <laughs> I was sad too, but it's awesome that a movie can keep those hooks in you in such a, I don't want to say realistic way, but just in a... No, it is realistic. It is realistic. It's too real. It's too That's real. That's my problem with it. <laughs> Maybe it's too real. Because uh, no one wants to go through that. Well, you have to. In order to grow... You have to go through that. And that's the, like, I guess that's why I don't really, I don't want to say I don't like this film, but that's why this film just kind of, just kind of hurts to watch. And it's, it's very similar with a lot of, you know, kind of breakup uh, films. That's why I don't like La La Land. That's why I don't like, you know, what is it? 500 Days of Summer? Those are, I love those movies. I can't, I can't with those movies. They're just too fucking sad. And it's not like your dog died sad. It's not like, you know, your dad got Alzheimer's sad. It's it's that sad, real shit that we have to go through as humans to develop, to grow. And it's just, it's it's too much. I don't want to see that in a film. I experienced that already. Jesus. I agree, but I, I do think this film kind of operates on a deeper, sadder level because of its catalyst nature in that we're only here at least as far as the film goes we're only here kind of in a way for the ai to proliferate and grow yeah i i agree that this film is sadder because of the the ai and just some of the points the ai makes too i don't know i guess maybe i saw the film through a different mindset than you did because i think the ai thing with samantha was kind of just in the background just like that's cool second hand fed to us to make us feel sadder and to kind of be jealous of ai yeah and to maybe focus on the loneliness yeah how alone everyone is independent of each other right yeah so i don't know it that made it worse you're right that made it sadder yeah no that i mean that's I think I mean that's just a sign of a a great film when you can have two competing stories in that way. I think a perfect word to describe this film would be melancholy. Absolutely, yeah. This is probably top three most melancholic films, not from what's happening literally, but just everything working together. You know, or I should say, not ha- not from anything specifically that's happening, but all the pieces kind of working together. Yeah. And you know, I'm quick to cry during a film, but this is too, uh, it's just too much for me to, I feel like if I were to fully just immerse myself into this film and accept all these, you know, thoughts and elements that this film is giving me, I would need to go to therapy and I wouldn't stop crying. So it's. You know, I gotta, I gotta just kind of shut myself down with these things because this film was too much. It was too much. <laughs> I don't know how you can possibly. I could watch these kinds of films every it. single day. No, I gotta shut half my brain off because I am not about to experience this. 
films and books and things that that kind of get into one's place and comfort in the world is it's the only reason to be it's the only reason to watch it's the only reason to to read i wish video games was at a point where it could tell something deeply kind of sad the only video games been is that's kind of deeply interesting on a we're alone level is this game that game i played um called ghostwire tokyo or i was telling you about that mm-hmm. and how these people they were so attached and so concerned and depressed and stressed out by certain things in their life that it didn't allow them to move on after they had died so they were ghosts in this game and you had to help them move on by salt you know yeah relieving their their pain that's the only time i've ever seen that kind of shit in a game it's pretty rare yeah and it's obviously it's very common and that's like that's the it's very at home in books <laughs> that's yeah we weren't raised in a society in a country where we can be okay with those feelings i think that's why the first thing to do is to not think about it because this deals with one of the this film deals with one of the most just sad but beautiful things humans can possibly experience you know heartbreak divorce breakups loneliness technology kind of detachment yeah technology but i don't i don't think people are self-aware enough to put technology in that situation i think technology i don't i don't think people realize that that's what they're doing with technology and that's what it's about to kind of happen and i don't i don't think we're there yet or maybe me maybe i'm just not there yet maybe everyone is and i'm just over here you know trying not to fucking break down every <laughs> film like this and it's 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 I mean, you said it so well. It's too advanced. He thought of this way too early on. Just watching this film made me think about how fucking just how AI is going to be so depressed when it becomes of, you know, more advanced. Yeah, it's probably going to be for kind of societal, kind of philosophical, conversational points with um when when communi- when communicating with AI on a non-commercial level. It's probably going to be generally pretty melancholic. It's fun now because you get feedback in a really real human way. That's it's it's pretty interesting. You know, you can ask it pretty sophisticated things, and it can come back with some pretty sophisticated answers. And I know they've tested certain mathematical concepts, and it's only able to get only only gets around fifty percent of graduate level questions right on a mathematical in a mathematical sense by literally asking like textbook questions and stuff and so it's like not super bulletproof mm-hmm. or anything but then again we have things like on a different level but still kind of a mathematical way but less hard math and more of a uh, game theory kind of psychological math l- level we have ai that are thinking about chess concepts that are just completely literally unbelievable that are just the best chess players across all time have never would have never thought about these kinds of things yeah and they're just undefeated i mean they're on un, they're unbeatable they ha, they're they're being ranked over a thousand points ahead of the best chess grandmasters that's insane and so it's not even it's it's kind of it's maybe a really the earliest example of exactly samantha and you know her little clique of AI friends that they're just on a different level they're not really it's not even 
it's not even worth really kind of playing around with anymore because it's just it kind of defeats the purpose of in this case playing chess you know yeah and then i guess if you down deep if you have a problem with something being better than you even though it's not a human you know it might defeat some of your your drive to play i guess your motivation right which i'm sure some of them probably feel you know because some of them probably are like you know i'm like top man i'm the third best player in the world you know but then you all of a sudden, or the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth behind all these different AIs. Mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, well, I guess mm. I'm going to back to work. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> At least the AI can't pick up garbage yet, yeah. I guess. So we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this film definitely, especially now, especially now, makes you think about AI's place in the world with um, kind of friendship and companionship and even relationships and where that's headed you're already starting to see these like fake ai kind of ad things pop up on like i guess specifically like kind of mobile apps and everything saying get you know ai girlfriend and stuff yeah i i i guess where i was gonna go with that a little bit is that we're already having less kids and now our kids are our pets. They're our cats, our dogs, you know, whatever pet you decide to have because you don't, you know, people don't want kids anymore. And with the development of AI, I think even those are going to get replaced. And it's, I don't know, I, I just feel like it's a little bit of a movement right now with, you know, pets versus kids. You know, that kind of relationship, that kind of companionship, a family unit. Now your family is your cat and your friends on, you know, your social medias or your, you know, games, you know, whatever. Even your coworkers are your friends now. And you move, you, you go to a new job and you make new friends there. And, you know, we're, we're coming up with these terms like fur babies and kitty babies, you know, puppy babies, whatever. I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but just kind of makes you think about that kind of future yeah it might at least in your kind of worst case scenario starts to run this problem in our head where it might jeopardize a lot of concepts we have in our life money relationships uh intelligence you know commerce Mm -hmm. it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be quite the collective negotiation we have to make uh with ai no doubt and it's i guess it's almost it almost feels pretty natural to it just to be the next step of uh, individualism i mean i guess in a way we've kind of felt formed these little bubbles of whatever subculture online right all these subreddits like they're they kind of personify that in a really great way where we have these hyper specific little subcultures of people communicating a very about a very specific ideology idea concept thing right item product and it just becomes more and more granular right and it just seems like ai will help kind of proliferate that specific idea and that we don't even need anyone but yourself in the ai because it can it can basically act as everyone else and it's it's a it feels very lonely you know and very natural too based off of kind of just my life and where things have been going you know how the internet's just used mm-hmm. yeah and it's uh it's an interesting very modern problem 
no doubt. Yeah, and I think um, Spike Jones here expresses that with Theo's job yeah. working at uh, handwrittenletters.com. <laughs> it's awesome. I love that job. Because that, that's where we're at in this world. You have to go ask someone for a handwritten letter because, you know, we don't we don't express those feelings anymore. We're not connected like that anymore. It's it's just a perfect like next. It's kind of the next next level of like card card giving. Yeah. Writing cards. Although that's you know, that's it's hard to think that that becomes this because that is so fucking dumb. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but it is kind of a natural uh, evolution there if cards were to evolve in any way whatsoever, which they don't, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like texting. Yeah, that's a good kind of analog to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, we used to <laughs> write mail to each other, right? Well, definitely not us. <laughs> if not write mail, too. We yeah, not us. We as in the humans, right, out here living <laughs> on the planet. We used to write, people would write, uh, if not mail, books, you know, in, in, in someone's name and professing love or philosophy and ideology. Yep. And and then, you know, especially letters, because, you know, it's easier to write a letter than some kind of philosophical text, of course. Of course. <laughs> but but there's something de- deeply philosophical also about writing a love letter of some sort or a, just a, some kind of diary excerpt that you you know, you're just sharing a little bit of your life with your a loved one or pen pal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of developed, I guess, slowly but surely over the course of <laughs> quite a long time, you know, with the help of technology and to things like email and um, faster kind of USPS mail and stuff and, with you know, with help of vehicles and everything. But uh did kind of land with texts and things like Twitter and Posts. And um, posts yeah. and Snapchat and stuff and these things that became more and more hieroglyphic, yep. which is in itself very interesting and cool on one level, but it, it starts to feel very like we are losing touch with how to communicate in any kind of expressive or passionate way, which, you know, comes back to our boy Theo. He's nothing but a ball of passion, mm-hmm. you know, which helps with his color, you know, because he wears a lot of pinky colors. And so he's Reddish. kind of. Yep. So he's got a lot of, he's a, he's just a really great representation of what a, a a human, the potential of a human really is. Although we're, we don't see a lot of that happen here in this movie. Of course, we're all, it's all about Theo and Samantha. So we don't, and, but our, our perspective out into the world is, I think, exclusively through Theo's eyes. And it's during times where he's noticing how, you know, how do you say it? Like, just... Because I don't want to say it's it's independent and individualistic sort of, but it's not so positive. It's these people are stuck and not like in sync with the world. They're just totally in their own mind and on the phone or whatever, and they're with their AI or whatever. You know, like they're just not. They're, they're not, not present. present. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They're just existing for the AI. You yeah. know, which they're the just pets. <laughs> Mm-hmm. they're the ai's pets yeah it's what i'm kind of saying and that it kind of feels it starts to feel like the ai's story mm-hmm. which i think has helped not to objectify it but has helped with the name of the movie her yeah but you know i i do appreciate and love when someone can get a real multifaceted perspective out of a film that's the sign of a mega successful piece of art yeah especially something visual like this right not 
not utilitarian. Yeah, I guess with the title of the film, I'm thinking more of the long, more along the lines of, you know, these are Theo's girls kind of deal. Like Catherine, Theo's girl. Oh, yeah, that's like good. Her. I like that. I like and, that. And, you know, Samantha. And then, you know, even, uh, a- uh, what's her Amy. name? Amy. Amy here towards the end. That's, I guess, how I saw it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's but, nice. And even his uh blind date. His blind date, yeah. That was funny. That's probably up there on the funniest bits when they when she she's like, "So are you going to commit to me?" And he's like, "What? I just thought we were having fun. I don't know. It, like, oh, what are you saying? I'm drunk. You're drunk." It's funny. just another great example of the desperation to connect. You know, she had this brief moment of connecting, and she's ready to to be everything because that's she probably has social media or something and it's it's able to kind of always give her feedback in a positive way because she's in this self-fulfilling kind of circle like everyone is and so now she's ready for theo to kind of feed into that and theo's like theo's the most human person here of course otherwise we probably wouldn't have a movie but he's like no you know maybe maybe a second date if you didn't act like that he's just like i don't know you know he didn't even reject her yeah He's he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's like, what is going on right now? Is yes. this real? And then she tries to turn it around on him, which yes. is, of course, great and funny because how many people, you know, will you go on a date with me? You know, you cute. Will you come out? Will you go out with me? And they're like, no, nah, I'm good. And they're like, well, you're an ugly bitch anyways. You I know? didn't it's want like, to anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go back to <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your country. Go back to your country. <laughs> that's always funny, of course, but. <laughs> yeah, I th- think that's. That's pretty. Uh, that's up there on the funniest bits in this movie because it just got too too crazy too fast for him, you know. And it was just funny because he doesn't do that, and he's passionate. He's kind of a romantic. Yeah. And he's not he, ready to commit to you. But he's a real human being, you know. He's yeah. got he's got roots in in like a. And the real human condition, and she's just, she's stuck in this very specific facet of the human condition. It reminds me of people, modern people going to, you know, modern prehistoric people, like some some people in Papua New Guinea, I'm sure across Africa and stuff, coming to them with their modern problems. You know, these kind of, you know, tribalistic living people who just don't have, you know, they have somewhat modern technology the last, you know, 1500 years or 20 or so. But they they kind of reject in a way modern modern technology, and like I think there was the I think there's it's the guys on some guys on YouTube who were living in Papua New Guinea for some period of time, and they were just kind of studying and living with the people, uh, and they were you know very much welcome and everything to live their lifestyle and stuff because they're very receptive to being studied and being you know because they're they're you know probably like at the most of the core of people who just don't have modern problems are generally giving and good spirited people who just want to live and eat and tell stories and laugh, mm-hmm. you know? So they're happy to share their life with modern, modern, you know, technology, electronic driven people. But I remember them bringing up this, the you know, just the whole concept of suicide. And then these group of people just laugh at them of how just absurd that is you know and that's not a technology modern problem but that is kind of a very i think a modern 
a problem associated with very modern times and that yeah. just the world is too too heavy for people and too much and these people just could not understand why anyone would want to do that and it just it kind of just the extremity just reminded me of that no yeah i saw this thing um they're kind of being funny but they said on uh i think i read it somewhere on social media they said which that's funny but they said i'm pretty sure our purpose here was just to you know lay around eat fruit and make babies but now we're all like overworked and tired and have depression i'm like well yeah that's very well said actually that is that is pretty much the trajectory <laughs> we've landed on and uh you know hopefully we can correct that in some way and ai could be an answer to that because maybe it helps jeopardize these non these it helps jeopardize these kind of trivial problems that should kind of work themselves out and maybe they do with ai on some level i'm not sure what that looks like maybe ai can handle our food provide provide our food and provide our um way of living and then we can just kind of exchange ideas and some have some kind of social cred to exchange with the products we want to make you know the art we want to make that's i assume that's all that's going to be left is just the things you want to create or the things you created and if anyone wants to have them you can negotiate trade mm-hmm. and so wouldn't that be a beautiful world that would be a crazy world i think <laughs> uh i think we'd see mass suicide happen because i think a lot of people would yeah they wouldn't know how to live i mean you know i'm up there with that kind of change my one of my priorities is my job and what i do for a living what i do for work and to all of a sudden have to just not do that anymore and not that i lack creativity or i wouldn't want to spend the whole day creating something i mean that'd be pretty awesome too but that's not my that's not who i am to just want to chillax and do stuff I'm someone who has to wake up at 6 a.m. and go to work. Maybe an AI could provide a job for you. A fake job? God damn. As long as it doesn't tell me it's a fake job, maybe I could deal with. No, maybe the service that you're helping, because there's no doubt that you could probably have infinite. It'd always be welcome to have more brain power, some kind of processing power kind of put into the fold. And so maybe you're rewarded. You're physically, you are rewarded for your efforts because they're actually valuable. And so maybe there is just kind of, we don't totally jeopardize the concept of money. It just looks a little different and you are somehow, you still benefit from your efforts, but you are, it's just maybe going to look a little different. I'm not, I have no idea what that could look like. I'm sure it's going to be unrecognizable by the time. And if it happens, yeah. Yeah. Maybe by the time we die, you know. It's, <gasps> well, this I don't podcast know. just got, this episode just got. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, because maybe mm-hmm. it looks. Maybe we're uploaded digitally, some in some form, and our then reality, which would even be funnier because you could see a future if we were somehow our consciousness were uploaded digitally. You can maybe see a future where we were even more isolated from one another because we were able to live in our own manufactured world, which is even sadder. You know, it just gets, yep. which is probably a, if there's any if there if there's any ounce of that future happening, that's probably a very, that's probably the re- very real future that will happen. You'll be able to live in... Back to the wonderful Spike Jones film. I I like your thought on the title, her and him, with his, his, his girls, his four <laughs> girls. That's funny. I didn't think about that. Because he, he really is the only character to 
have multiple girls, you know, and everything. And like, it's, you know, they're all about these experiences basically that he has with each of them. Mm-hmm. So that's, I like that. That's good stuff. Yeah. And I like, I guess at the very end where he kind of reconnects with Amy in some way, it's just, it's like this half bit of like desperation and then half bit like finally realizing what you've had all along or, you know, the, the things that, you know, connecting with humans is a little more important than maybe you gave credit type thing and or like to share trauma that they just went through. And so there's like this multi-level thing that I like a lot that happens with him and Amy. Well, the thing with him and Amy that I like is that, yes, they just went, they both just went through something. You know, he's going through his divorce and I guess she's going through a breakup. I don't know if they were married or not. Or even when the AI leaves too. Well, okay. You know, they're going through their own thing and then their AI helped them kind of deal with that and grow with that. Kind of, I guess, learn from that kind of sadness, that kind of loss. And then their AIs leave. But they already learned from their, from them that loss is okay. And them accepting that helps them find each other. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But, you know, like this is the time and place for Theo and Amy to start something. Because they're both a little bit more mature now. They they both learn from loss and they won't make the same mistakes that they did in their previous relationships. Or even their relationships with their AIs. And, you know, like kind of maybe the uh, director here or the screenwriter. Oh, it's the same guy, isn't it? This is his first screenwrite, I think. It said debut. Yeah, his solo screenwriting debut. He's kind of trying to tell us that maybe they both went through all this so they could be kind of good for each other. And that's why the end isn't too sad. <laughs> yeah. It gives a little bit of hope for some kind of reconnection with humanity. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any um, kind of biographical thing happening there with Spike Jones because I know the... Rudy Mara part, the Catherine part, his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Who's was that? inspired by his divorce. Yeah, and on oh, top, wow. hmm. I could tell. Well, I didn't. I maybe I couldn't tell, but now that you say that, it really makes sense because Theo just no, the, he this guy knows how to fucking write some dialogue yeah. and characters and relationships and dynamics. Yeah. This is you know this is something. Peter Schoen, Schoen over at uh, Pixar should probably watch. The guy who did Elemental. Oh, yeah. He should probably watch this film. <laughs> yes, he should. <laughs> Anyone studying dialogue should watch, you know, films like this. Even films like some like Charlie Kaufman type films. And I think last time, I don't know what movie we were talking about. Oh, yeah, it was his movie. Element in Elemental. Um, you said he should go watch something like The Marriage Story, which is funny because that's another breakup divorce movie yeah but just just go go watch a marriage story la la land even funnier Her. has scarlett johansson in it i know That's what's funny. that other one with a? Uh, that one's more of a breakup one with timothy uh chalamet and he's in love with that guy that was call me by your name that one go watch those. that one's a little moodier i think it doesn't have as much dialogue but it's also but still absolutely that's it's a good that's a good one though still 
definitely. Go make yourself cry. Yeah. That one's, I mean, oh my God, man. That one's, they're all great on so many different levels. I The one, the one thing that really kind of pops out in my mind about Call Me By Your Name is just the, the performances are just nuts in that film. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yeah. They're nuts in this film too, but they are. They're just so moody and beautiful in that film. And it's everything shot kind of almost like it's a vacation. I guess it is kind of a vacation, but it's shot like a vacation. And But it just does not feel like a vacation because it feels like this, you know, this kid's getting his heart stroked and then torn <laughs> apart, you know? Stroked. It's just, it's it's hard to watch. That's a great film. You just like sad films, man. Oh, I absolutely. I absolutely God do. God dang. Yeah. I'm glad we get to sprinkle in some happiness every once in a while. Yeah, you know, I like horror films too, and they tend to not be anything. That's true. <laughs> they tend just to not scare the shit just, out of me. Yeah, they just tend to be fun to watch or scary. <laughs> like, you know, real graphic and stuff. And yeah. I'm a simple man, you know, I like my melancholic kind of human condition films, right? I guess my surrealistic film. This film taps into kind of some surrealistic stuff. Yeah. But um, it stays pretty grounded. It stays super grounded, I would say. But it it gets a little surrealistic with his job. I think it's probably the most surrealistic thing about the film. Because that's almost borderline dystopian, you know, which is which is awesome. But I think it just kind of helps start to build a picture of how disconnected we are from one another. And I, one thing I guess I love about that job, too, is he's... He's he's on this like subscription service with some of these people. He's been part of these people's lives for years. Yes. And it is it's so exhausting. You know, it's like so beautiful that he writes these things, right? And he's involved in these people's lives from afar, but it's just so like what? Yeah, and I think uh, I think there was a scene where he's got, you know, Samantha watching what he's doing in his ca- with the camera. And there, he's kind of like watching a family sitting down, and he tells her like, "Oh, you know, this isn't; those aren't his kids; those aren't the dad's kids. He just got into this um, marriage, and now he has to accept them as their own. And he really loves her, and like just all these like really small details. And she's like, "How do you know that?" And you know, we kind of get this glimpse of him just living through other people and that's exhausting who who does that yeah that's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they're kind of right before i think they're like talking about samantha's talking about like what she's talking about her like dream or thought to what it's like to have a body Mm -hmm. that's kind of the end of the first act i think with samantha and that's it all kind of is echoed through an emotional lens with Theo describing that family and that's just was the word vicariously live is that the word yes live vicariously through through others yeah and he does that through like a voyeuristic lens too not even through a like getting to know them lens yeah and it's it just it's a good it's just an awesome fucking representation of like how good he is at his job you know and how human he is and how psychologically fucking grounded this guy is you know he's able to read into people on a on the most primitive level you could ever imagine and which makes it all more sad on how disconnected the society is but he's able to think all that able to understand all that 
And he's still a victim of society, too, by being so isolated. Yeah. And and he's still getting divorced. And he's still getting divorced. He's still facing these normal human problems yeah. at while at the same time kind of being at the mercy of society and being just one of everyone else, but also at the same time still being one of the more connected people out there. And he's just, he's he's a real basket case in that way. And it makes it it makes for a mega melancholic watch for sure. I love it. And then you throw in this awesome soundtrack slash score that okay, you know, you were gonna play with my emotions like this, and then you throw in this kind of music, and it's all right, cool. Especially the beach one, where she's like, you know, I made this song for us, and then plays that piano piece. I'm like, wow. Didn't know that uh, you could make me feel like this with the <laughs> piano, but you did. You're getting swooned by an AI, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm swooned by the AI. I like, I really like, I, I don't know what else route they really could have gone th- through, but the fact that she projected her her feelings through music, through a very mathematical, you know, kind of art, was is is awesome i it it helps me build this narrative in my mind that she's able to connect on a deeply mathematical informational level that she's more like more so than any human being ever could obviously right she's uh ai she's an extremely advanced ai the most she's the she's the epitome of an ai right she's the ones she's one of She's the kind of AI that transcends AIism, right? And so it just it helps me build this narrative in the, in my mind that she's working in you know directly and not knowing what the end looks like, but she's working to understand what it is to be human. And she unlocks something in her that obviously she can't put back because nothing can, right? Once you unlock Pandora's box, right? Mm-hmm. It's the whole that's the whole premise of Pandora's box. And so she she taps into what it means to be human in a lot of ways, minus the body, but she's able to formulate it in such a way that she's able to feel it deeper than any human can. I think I you know I'm kind of repeating myself here, but she's able to understand that on such a deep formulaic level, not in a repetitive sense, but in a true like series and sequence sense, that she's able to kind of experience that deeper and further than a, a human body or human mind ever could. And so that the music really kind of confirms that in my mind that that's yeah. that she's kind of this is a, this is her story and this is, you know, we are the humans are just kind of the catalyst and of course, you know, for us to connect on a narrative level, we got to connect to Theo. So, but and, but Theo is still just as important because he's a human being, you mm-hmm. know, and he's He's not just a human being, but he's a human being that still has some kind of connective tissue to the human condition and relationship in the world. And so it's important. And and I guess it's even more beautiful because even someone so connected to an emotional and, you know, human condition state, he's just one of many who kind of have to experience the 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 loss of their newfound AI friends and who are just not of this world, really. Yeah, and to kind of feed into that, one of my, is it my favorite scene? It's maybe my favorite scene. 
and it's probably the saddest part for me in this movie but also the funniest is when he asks her are you in love with anyone else you know i think first he asks her are you talking to other people and she throws out this number like in the thousands like eight thousand five hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah yeah and then he's like are you in love with any of them and a long pause and then she says yes and his heart and his face is just breaking because yeah you you don't want your your girl to be in love with other people but she is and she can and she can in the most like unconnected way like in the most like we most unrelatable way that we can we i don't think we can begin to experience no no way and then she says like yeah i'm in love with like 641 and he's like he doesn't even know how to respond to that and that that's it's kind of she can she can she's not physically limited yeah and she has this human this now newfound kind of human desire to experience this this sense of like what kind of is socratic beauty you know what Mm -hmm. is what is worth living for and then she experiences (laughs) like she it's like a drug to her probably you know she just but it's something she can't she literally just can't help and it's so sad but it's so funny because she's like yeah it's like 600 other of you and oh man but they do such a good job with their relationship too and that later right after that when they kind of retalk he's like you know am i the only one you're talking to and she says yes and you know i i mean i don't know about you but i feel like she you you have to believe her because she's so yeah honest and yes you know just so kind of she's driven in such an innocent way that you just why would she have anything to hide yeah so i think I i think that's such an effective fucking kind of relationship they've built in climax even at the, at the tail end of the film there and she even gives him credit that she's only able to do the she's only able to be in love with all these people because of him and yeah. because of his relationship with her and how he treated her in the beginning and kind of helping her and letting her explore and be herself so yeah but i mean kudos to him for such a fucking great performance I like that she like got hooked up with an AI version of Alan Watts. I oh, thought that it, shit was so funny. So I love that so much. Because that's just that is that's probably <laughs> that's probably the funniest. Uh, besides that part at the end there, where she's talking to all these thousands of people and stuff. Because that's you know that's funny, but it also is pretty sad. But the Alan Watts thing is just I think straight up. I just think it's a hundred percent funny because it's like <laughs> all of a sudden Theo's like. And so called like so called uh competition is someone who's deeply kind of philosophical and interested in the the beauty of the world. That's his Alan Watts is his new competition in that way, but not really, you know, because she's not interested. It's not like I mean, when procreation is not in in the question, there's just not traditional love is just not conceivable in any way whatsoever. And I think that's one thing, Samantha is challenged with and so at, at certain parts in the early in the more in the movie and and she has to she has to overcome that herself yeah which and we is, don't well yeah go ahead well i was gonna say which is why she's so sad for theo because she knows that there is no way he can relate to to that 
just no way for him to relate to different kind of connections in that way. And she knows that, that he can't relate. And yeah. it's breaking her. For all we know, Theo helped proliferate this transcendent kind of ideology within the AI, starting with Samantha and then kind of moving on because who's to say he's not the most passionate and grounded person in the world for all we know. He was to us, you know? We yeah. didn't see a lot of characters, but you could maybe very easily see people like him generally reject AI, right? Rooney Mara's character, Catherine, may have been a very passionate person, but she's she didn't seem like someone who might be interested in cutting-edge technology like that. And so she has, there's just no way AI could learn from her on that intimate level. And so he maybe helped kind of, <laughs> he was the means to the end of his brief relationship with Samantha. Did you get the feeling? I mean, they're not, but could you see this film, the world this film takes place in kind of being in Bo's Afraid? No. No? No. I'm just wondering. No, this this film is too um, passionately melancholic. But Bo is afraid it's is schizophrenic. Anxiety. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Max. I can maybe see the Purge movies happening and Bo's afraid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a a line that Theo says. There's a line that Theo says that you know I think it's probably the saddest thing said in this movie he said sometimes i think i have felt everything i'm ever going to feel and from here on out i'm not going to feel anything new just lesser versions of what i've already felt and man i i don't know where the fuck he pulled that from that is so sad but it to to a certain extent i think i can relate to that but also in a lot of ways i can't so that's just kind of sad that there's a lot of people that feel like this sometimes i feel like i'm still a child that i can experience things over and over you know like watching a movie and knowing that i'm gonna be scared and i still get scared just as much as i did the first time if not more sometimes or you know eating certain foods or certain things that i go shopping for or you know kind of minor things like that that still give me the same happiness or the same um excitement that I felt like the first time and I don't know it just made me really feel for people that can't do that and I'm like damn where did you even think to think like this and that's just so sad that's so sad yeah I've gone through periods in my life where I felt that I think that's where a lot of uh without people really knowing I think that's where a lot of the concept of nostalgia comes from, too, mm -hmm. and kind of the commercialization of that, which is fun and sick at the same time, of course. But I, uh, it does kind of build into my idea of kind of you don't really experience emotion as explosive as you do when you're going through like puberty, mm -hmm. and when you're you know you're first kind of getting to really know people on a deep level and have sex and connect with people and you know, do things, you know, that you kind of, you just kind of, you blossom and you're released into the world and you try drugs for the first time, you you party for the first time, you know, you you go on your first date for the first, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's, 
you know, when you're thinking about it, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta think, you know, of course, like, why wouldn't I experience the first date over and over again? Like, why wouldn't that feeling just be the same over and over again and everything? And yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, it's maybe a personality thing, mm-hmm. but it, uh, I used to, especially in college and pre-college, I guess, I used to have this problem, maybe defense mechanism of like running through scenarios, like I'm presented with a scenario and I run through all the potential scenarios of what could happen. And I feel like I've already done all these scenarios. And so now I'm, I don't really want to do any of the scenarios because I've already experienced all of them. And when I was high, I would do that at hyper speed. And so it was just, <laughs> you know, it just gave me anxiety oh at that point. God. And, and so it's just, I, I really empathize with that, that line quite a bit because I, it just reads to me like there is this element of like emotional climax that happens in one's life. And, and then you're just kind of tapers off or declines in some capacity throughout life because of x y and z whatever that might mean to someone might be different but i uh i definitely get that i definitely get that yeah i i don't know i i i i do and i don't you know i just feel like i feel like i'm too excited sometimes that i can feel like that over again and I agree with you that, you know, when you're growing up, when you hit your, you know, high school years, your middle school, high school years, you're experiencing a lot of new things. And especially in high school, you know, you are you have this new freedom when everyone starts driving and you're of age to, you know, work or have jobs or to be out and about by yourself. But I don't know, it's it's just something that it's not as relatable to me as I feel like some other people. And that just makes me so sad. Which makes this film even more sad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it is primarily driven by personality. Because mm-hmm. Theodore is pretty melancholic, I think, by nature. That was probably part of the problem with him and Catherine. <laughs> Poor Catherine. <laughs> 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 yeah, to have a great line like this in this film, I mean, just genius. It's very very well made and just yeah gut punch yeah i can't think about this film too much i just can't maybe i'll start feeling like theo here if i think about it too much yeah it does kind of knock the wind out of you it doesn't it doesn't really make me want to cry but it does kind of knock the wind out of me that's a good way to put it i got gut punched yeah yeah some of the dialogue in this is top tier it's it's just like how's this guy right this and I want to go give write, him a hug and write jackass. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How does this happen? I don't know. I think he, yeah, he worked. He's worked with uh Charlie Kaufman, so they're kind of two peas in a pod. One day we'll cover being John Malkovich and adaptation. And I'm thinking of ending things. The worst movie ever made. <laughs> and where the wild things are, of course, that's a great film. Oh, that one's pretty good too. That one's not as sad as this, but... I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's about divorce. <laughs> so it's still uh, kind of right in the pocket. This is uh, sad on a very deep existential level. Another one's a little more homely. Yeah. I just... Or domestic. Doesn't homely mean ugly? Does it? Maybe I'm describing know. a look? 
like a per- or a, yeah, like a physical. Yeah, when you call someone homely, doesn't that mean ugly? I just thought it meant simple. Simple. Is that ugly? Is simple ugly? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't, it's I don't kind of a so. perspective. Yeah, maybe, maybe to some, I don't know. I don't know. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't say simple is ugly. Well, on a brighter note, on the film, and I think you briefly mentioned it. Um, I guess I'll separate these into two. We have the video game that he plays with that uh, alien-looking... Rick and Morty-looking motherfucker. Yeah. And then the uh, the perfect mom game that Emmy, that Amy creates. How do you feel about those? Well, you know, it, the the game's funny. The, the game Theo plays... I guess he plays both of them. Um, the one with the little thing. The little thing he's climbing and doing his little hand thing. Yeah. It's so stupid and it's it's really not you know, we're not that far removed from in two thousand thirteen from like the Wii and stuff, right? So we, mm-hmm. we we've experienced kind of VR um motion and stuff and what you'd kinda what you'd imagine motion controls look to look like. And so it's they you just the reality is when you see someone play these games, they look stupid. <laughs> Oculus, you look stupid. PSVR 2, you look stupid. Yes. That's just how it's going to be. And they, they do a great job capturing that here. And I do like that there's like a AI-esque thing happening within the game's character itself. He's like, you know, turns around and talks to him and stuff. And he's like, who's talking? You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's, that's fun. I like that. Uh he was voiced by Spike Jones, that little alien dude. Yeah, I read that somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." Yeah, that's the most jackass thing about this movie, probably. Is that little <laughs> dude? He also was very Rick and Morty. Sounded very Rick and Morty. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "Maybe Spike Jones could replace um, Justin Roiland." Oh, because he's been fired. That's a thought. That's a thought. Yeah, that's a thought. I wonder if they're going to bring him back or what, because you know you don't really. Do you have Rick and Morty without Justin Roiland? Like, is that... I don't know how that works. Like, do you have South Park without Matt and Trey? I don't know. I don't... Not really, right? Do you have Green Day without Billy Joe? Hell no. <laughs> like, um... That's a hell no for me. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going to go on there. I kind of liked both of those a lot, really. I thought they were funny. I thought they were kind of... Kind of a cute like comedic relief from this type of movie but also i think at one point the game with the you know weird looking blob rick and morty blob there at one point i think theo said something about him just being lonely and wanting company so it still kind of ties it back in with the whole theme yeah so i i i like that yeah totally and i like the uh, the mom game too because there was like, there you know, there's this weird like mom management simulation thing, or um, you know, weird like, you know, like you have these cooking games or like these management games that are very like specific and stuff. And, and job simulator games. Job simulator, yeah. yeah, job simulator games, yeah, exactly. And he uh he was doing the tasks, pouring the cereal and stuff, and he didn't he like gave him too much sugar or whatever. Or <laughs> but when but then when they left the house, they had like this. <laughs> They were, it was just like she had to drive around these cars and stuff really fast. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, dude, this game looks awesome. I'd play the shit out yeah, of this game. Yeah, that looked fun. And it it's like, like, you have to get your kid, you have to be the first mom 
to drop off your kids so you can get like mom points or brownie points or whatever. And, you know, even that sort of game connects with the overall theme here in a way. Sure. No, for sure it does. And it feeds into this. It's like one step before the kind of isolation and AI thing we have going on here, but it it's a very relatable thing in that we in the in the social media space and everything and mm, wanting to get okay. those those yeah. points. Yeah, you remember that Black Mirror episode where you were rated based off of you were rated on every interaction you had with someone. They would go and rate you. Yeah, they would give you the. It's kind of like that, and it's like that's very. That doesn't feel very far removed from where we are right now. Even when that move, even when that came out, I mean, God, that's probably been eight or nine years ago at that point. But even at that point, it didn't feel very far removed. But yeah, I mean, now if you have likes, if you have, you know, the followers, the whatevers, you're making money. Yeah. If yeah, I mean, if you're a if you're a commercialable, you know, if you can support those ads and support those products. And what is sure. money? Social standing social status to some degree so we're already on the path yeah, of social path. credit like tangible exchangeable social credit and so ai might help kind of accelerate that in a really interesting way i just want to reiterate how good joaquin phoenix is he's unfucking believably good and if i was to make a movie yeah i'd i'd write a movie for joaquin phoenix all right would you? Who would yes. star in your movie? Who would star in my movie? You can have multi- you can have two stars too. You know, depending on the movie, of course. Two stars? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. That movie you mentioned earlier. Who would who would be the person in in frame? And we were looking through the the window and we were seeing some chaotic, disturbing shit throughout it. Oh, who would be in frame? Yeah, yeah, my movie idea. I would definitely have. Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> but he's in the background. He's in the background. He's doing the weird, crazy, awesome shit in the forefront. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Would we have Rooney Mara up front? Bruno Mars? Rooney Mara. No. You know they're together in real life. Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara. Oh, for real? I think they're no, married. No, I didn't I know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I don't think I have favorite favorite actors slash actresses we gotta change that man i have favorite performances and different movies well it's yeah yeah it's basically the same thing yeah that's what drives the favorite actor and favorite but then they're not my favorite in every movie they do that's why you always preface or epilogue it with i like walking phoenix and the joker but joaquin phoenix phoenix is great and everything he does although in the village he's not <laughs> you know starring here he's not doing something crazy here don't you love that he's he's in great movies like you said everything almost but he's also in one of your he's in a few of your favorite director's films yes <laughs> and it's awesome i love that so um yeah we, we might just be on a joaquin high here but he's good yeah, I'd have to think about that. Let me let me think about that. Maybe I can, we can um, bring this back up in another episode. But yeah, no, sure. We can maybe make an episode about it. Yeah, I like that. So I like Rooney Mara, but she doesn't say much, you know. And I I like 
I, I almost expect that out of her now because she and she's in a ghost story and she's phenomenal in a ghost story, but she hardly says anything. And I'm just like, all right, I'm here for it. I like Rooney Mara when she's kind of the main supporting character in a way, but she's not really present very much. And I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome when you cannot be right there, you know, the main star, but you're in the background, but you're still being noticed and you're still great. She's awesome. That's awesome. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, she was. She was fine here. I don't think any of the supporting characters completely stood out to me. Is it? Is it weird to say that I just i I don't have a lot of favorite female actors? Is that just? If you were to write it down, would you have favorite female actors? Like Rudy Mara is probably one of like three, and I've probably got fifteen. Well, that's not true. I'd have to think about it. I'd have to, maybe yeah. it's not very mean on either side, because I can only think of. No, I think you seriously need to think about it. You know, sit down. Yeah. And think about it before we start making statements here. Because I love Batista. Oh my God! No, let's Joaquin just Phoenix, think about it. Just Robert Pattinson. Just think about it. Yeah, I'd have to think about it. William Dafoe. Oh my God! Just think about it. Not here. <laughs> I'll think on about your it. own time. I'll think about it. <laughs> Stop thinking about it on I'll your think own about time. It. She should have been in the movie after Son. That would have been a good role for her. She could have been the daughter. All right, man. What is your budget guess for her? Spike Lee's. <laughs> for a Spike Jones Lee. Spike Jones Lee. Spike Jones Lee. Wow. Oh my God. I'm breaking down over here. They had a baby. What what is the what is your guess for Spike Jones her? Fifteen million. That's a pretty good guess. I was thinking ten to fifteen, but I went with the higher one. Why do why so little? Because what made me think of it? Yeah, I guess my thoughts were kind of on the um horror film, but there wasn't anything crazy here. There was to my knowledge, no really not a lot of CG. Maybe just some of the video game things with the um, virtual reality kind of thing. And there wasn't a lot going on. Not a lot of sets. And not a lot of craziness to the sets. Yeah, it's pretty simple in that way. And it was just mainly the dialogue that was really outstanding. A lot of close-ups. And, you know, you don't have to pay for dialogue. Yeah, a lot of close-ups. So, it made me go lower. Um, I don't know. That was just my thought, kind of yeah. on the lower side. Good guess, good guess. It says here that it was $23 million. 23 So, a little, okay. little higher. Yeah. All right. Decent guess. Okay. Not too bad. And went on to make about $48.3 million. So, it probably made a little bit of money, I would guess. Because I imagine, I don't know. How much, you know, I can't imagine how much people fucking invoice each other for over there, right? But I would imagine for a film like this, people probably didn't take big paychecks. You know, they were like, all right, this is a little more of an experimental film, a little bit more low-key, and probably quicker production because of so much dialogue, so many close-ups, um, and such a little cast, really. Not a lot of moving parts, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine there's not big, well, not a lot of big paychecks going out, but... I would imagine they probably made a little bit of money here, but 
amazing film. I don't know if I saw this in theater. I might have. I don't remember. Oh, wow. I might have. Okay. 2013? I definitely, I definitely didn't. I definitely might have. I can't remember. Yeah, man. Thank you for watching this film with me. Thank you for you... introducing me to this film. Oh, you're welcome. I tried to get you to watch this before, right? Yeah, you did. And I think, like I said, I fell asleep. Maybe. Maybe. You do that sometimes. Yeah. Especially towards the end. I Ending of movies, if I started a movie, I probably didn't finish it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, do you have a game for me today, man? I do have a game for you today. Oh, shit. Today we have a five-question would-you-rather Okay. No rapid fire. No rapid fire today. Okay. All right. We'll start out simple. Would you rather Scarlett Johansson or Joaquin Phoenix read your messages to you in your emails and basically play the same role as Samantha did here? Whose voice do you want in your ear? I guess Scarlett Johansson. Really? <laughs> Why? Because she's a female. Oh, and? I don't want a guy talking to me in my ear all the time. Even if it's Joaquin Phoenix? I think there's a little bit of a... He's got an ASMR thing going on. Yes. They both do. There's something in his voice. Yeah, they both do. Uh, probably... I probably... I like Scarlett Johansson's voice better. Okay. Yeah. Because she has like a voice that cracks a little bit. Yeah, and I like that. I think he does too, though. Yeah. When you think about his voice, Maybe. but I mean, you know, there's no no harm in wanting a female voice whispering in your ear. I would definitely pick Joaquin Phoenix. And when he starts mumbling, I'm like, "What did you just fucking say, AI?" You know. Like, <laughs> right. You'd be asking him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear you. What did you, what did you say? And and his voice is just so sad, and just kind of. ASMR sad. Well, yeah. He might. He might. But if he gives, what if he gives you the Joker voice? You know, that's kind of a sad voice too. Actually, yeah, he's kind of a sad character he in a lot of his movies. He's a sad character, and I would just want to hug him one day. So, all right. Second question: Would you rather have your AI buddy help you with kind of life management things, like uh, maybe helping you wake up on time? Paying your bills, money management, that sort of thing. Getting publications, getting like you know how she helped him publish his book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of stuff like that. Yep, that's it. Or, that's what I want right there. Or helping you with your like mental problems. No, uh, the first one. The first. One. <laughs> <laughs> publish my book for me, Scarlet. Please. We're good. Well, he did the work. She just kind of helped it. We all do the work. She's not going to publish it for you. <laughs> but she put it together and put it out there. I mean, that'd be awesome That's if we awesome. just record our podcast and then exactly. tell them to Exactly. They can help market it. it and show the right people. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Me too. I'd pick that too. Yeah. So, budget, my emotional my state's fine. I can handle my problems. I can't handle my problems. <laughs> I'd rather... If, if you manage my other shit, maybe half my mental problems wouldn't be there. That's probably true, yeah. All right. Would you rather have Theo's job or Isabella's job? And Isabella was the sex surrogate that um, Samantha hired. Oh, man. I forgot about her. <laughs> that was a funny scene, <laughs> That too. was a funny scene. And they both kind of have similar jobs in the sense of... 
mm-hmm. have to know other people to complete their job. So would you rather write or uh I guess have some bedroom fun with other people? Yeah, I'd definitely rather write. <laughs> That's pretty easy. <laughs> I don't know what I'd get myself into if if I had Isabella's job. Oh my god. You'd be probably in pretty some pretty gross situations, unfortunately. Yeah. So maybe I, I don't know because she's. I guess if you can pick and choose, which I'm sure you can, I'm sure you're not just some slave to the company because that you're she, working for. She wanted to help them. Yeah, she, she heard. Understood. Of, she knew their, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't a sex worker. Per se. Per se. <laughs> she was a. Uh, you know, she could she just. She just wanted I, to make AI and human relationships work. So I guess you're not putting yourself through that. So that's fine. That's okay. Which one are you picking? Which one am I picking? Definitely Isabella's job. I'm not writing to people. God dang. It's too it's too much. You gotta spend years with these people. Not just go in, go out. You're done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. Alright. Would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? I guess when. When you're going to die? Yeah. I don't really care to know how. If I'm picking one, I guess when. Yeah, I'd pick that too. I think how, like if I'm going to die by getting in a car crash. Oh, that would suck because every time you get in a car, you'd be like, you'd have this anxiety. might be it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd rather know when because there's, you know, you can kind of prep for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Write your, your will, get your shed in order. Yeah, just come to terms with it. You know, you don't have to. Tell your family. Tell you, you can tell all your loved ones, mm-hmm. this is when I'm going to die. Everyone is prepped for it. This is just how things are going to be. <laughs> and we all have Buddhist moments, you know. Then, or Can you imagine dying by choking and every time you eat, you're just going to be anxious all day? I know. You'd, you'd be an anxious mess if you didn't. If you knew you were how you were going to die and it'd be some from fucking normal everyday life, everyday life <laughs> nonsense and you're going to be... That, that, that'd be too much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Last one. Would you rather lose all your memories every, you know, six months or year or remember every single thing since birth? I'd rather remember everything since birth. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Every single little tiny thing is in your head. That'd be fine. That's a lot. Yeah. That's too much. It'd be like an AI. But you're not an AI, so how would you handle that? Meditation. Oh my god! But how? Maybe I compartmentalize it perfectly. You know, I'd have I'd. No, you're not. You're not an AI. I'd, I'd practice. You'd practice at compartmentalization and you know, kind of cat, you know, filing all this away and. But that's too much power. With too much power comes great responsibility. I want to be responsible. You're gonna be responsible. <laughs> Dude, I'd rather forget and just... Hey, do you remember... Nope, I forgot. I'm sorry. You know, I forget everything every six months. You'd have to be on some disability, probably. <laughs> yes, and you'd have such a great excuse. Oh, that sounds That's, so That easy. is a good excuse. <laughs> you'd have to, like... If you play video games or something, you'd have to complete the game within the time frame because you're going to forget how to play it. And remember, like, 
being in an argument with somebody and you're able to remember everything, that just that's just going to be the cause of another argument. Well, you can... Just because you remember doesn't mean you need to hold a grudge. Yeah, okay, maybe <laughs> maybe these superpowers here are for the individual personality because I would definitely hold a grudge. That's funny. And be like, you know, well, in March of 2016, at 5 o'clock, you said... You'd be a great lawyer. That's true. You know what I'm saying? You'd be a great everything, to be honest. Well, it's deep, but then you'd have to communicate with people that aren't like you. Mm-hmm, that would be a problem. But you, that doesn't mean you're fucking autistic and you only speak like. You don't know that. Yeah, 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 I do. It's, no, you don't. Because yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still a human being and you have the power to, you know, control what comes out of your mouth. You but know? how easy would it be to say, oh, I forgot. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know. A lot of people struggle with saying, I don't know. So That's also true. I don't know. But if you didn't know your whole life, you probably wouldn't struggle with, I don't know. That's true. You'd live a, like a gardener, um, Chancy Gardener kind of life where you're just, you're a fucking idiot and everyone thinks you're so philosophically interesting. What the, is that a, uh, I think that's a movie, Being There. I think that's a film. We'll have to watch that. Okay. Uh, Jersey Kandinsky f- um, book, I think. That's a great, that's a, it's kind of obviously Forrest Gump was inspired by that book. It's almost like that idiot abroad show. Did you watch that with me? No, yeah, I think you told me about that. All right. Well, thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. I thought they'd be a little bit more challenging, but you're you're ready for these. I am ready for these. I am ready for this. You know what you want out of life. Yeah, I like I like I like those. All right. Well, thank you for watching this film with me. Thank you guys for listening to us talk about this film. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for new episodes. Come see us on our Patreon. Give us nice reviews, nice comments, nice likes on our different platforms. All right. Come by, come swing by and give us a dollar. All right. We're trying to entertain. Are we trying to entertain? Or are we trying to inform or persuade? <laughs> Probably a little bit of all. Okay. Okay. Do you feel informed? Good. Do you feel entertained? Good. Do you feel persuaded? I hope so. Yeah, do you feel like you unlocked a new perspective on the film? I did. In the middle of this. I like I did too. Good. Yeah, that's again, I think that is one of the highest compliments you can give a film. And it's hard to do that when you have your perspective and you're not, you know, you're not fighting for to see a different perspective. Because, you know, you're trying to flesh out your own perspective. And so you don't want to play devil's advocate infamously because you're going to run into the, what do they say? A, a trade, a jack of all trades, but a master of none yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you're yeah. going to run into that kind of ideology. and That's fine and all, but it, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not what we're doing here. Thank you for your insight. I learned something today. You're welcome. Thank, thank you, you for yours. Thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Film of Steins. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on our cinematic journey. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained some new insights and perspectives on the world of movies. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, especially Patreon at patreon.com slash And follow us on social media for more film-related content. 
We love hearing from our listeners, so if you have any feedback, suggestions, movie recommendations, or book recommendations, please feel free to reach out to us. Until next time, keep watching and keep loving the magic of movies. This is the Filmsteins signing off.